are a little skinny. They're not ripped. These ones. Yes. <laughs> All my jeans rip. It was 1993. Who remembers 1993? There's a handful of us. That's good. I was seven years old. My grandfather had an Apple Macintosh computer. That was back when Macs were called Macintoshes. My auntie, who's about um, 10 years or so older than me, um, she was a teenager at the time, obviously, and still living with her parents, my grandparents. And she just purchased a brand new video game for the Macintosh. And uh, it, was, it was cutting edge, amazing graphics, amazing gameplay. It was you know, something that no one had ever really seen before in video games. And um, it's no surprise then it became my favorite game very quickly. And uh, my sister and I would rock up at my grandparents' place for a visit, but then just make a beeline straight for grandpa's study and uh, press the on button on his Macintosh and wait for 10 minutes for it to boot up. And then uh, double-click on the icon and wait for another five minutes for the, the software to open up. And then we would get into the game Lemmings. <laughs> Who knows Lemmings? Have you played Lemmings? Lemmings is a game where um, you have these guinea pig-type creatures, and they're in, like, blue overalls, and they've got green hair, of course. <laughs> um, and... And they, they drop out of a door in the sky, of course. Uh, and they just keep coming one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, and they just follow each other. And your um, goal in the game is to get them as safely as you can to the exit door, um, avoiding all the obstacles. Uh, you have to allocate these lemmings different jobs to do to get through the obstacles, whether it's making a staircase or digging tunnels or whatever. And, uh, maybe you might give them umbrellas as parachutes so they don't go splat on the ground, which they did, by the way. Um, and the idea is that you get as many as you can safely to the exit door. And, of course, levels um, go through and they get harder and harder. And I don't think I actually ever finished a game of Lemmings, but it's still probably my favourite computer game. And uh, I'm not alone because uh, since 1991, when it was created, uh, over 20 million copies have sold, uh, and it's still actually available to play. There's a new modern version on iOS and Android. You can play it for free on your phone. Maybe you want to use the free Wi-Fi after the service and grab that and check it out. Don't start playing until after the service, please. <laughs> but lemmings are actually real animals. I don't know if you knew that, but lemmings are real animals. They don't really look like the game. Um, they don't behave a whole lot like the game either. So I don't know where the connection was made, but, um, but lemmings are real animals, and um, they're famous because they migrate in large groups. Hundreds and hundreds of them, even thousands of them sometimes, will, will migrate together and move as one and, and um, just follow each other. They just go with the flow. Um, and there's old wives' tales and myths about them kind of just following each other straight off the edge of cliffs and into the sea, unfortunately. But apparently there's no kind of evidence to prove that that's actually happened, but that's the, that's the good story, I suppose. But you cannot get a rebellious lemming. There's no such thing as a rebellious lemming. Lemmings just follow the crowd. They'll do 
what all the other lemmings around them will do. But humans are different, aren't we? Humans are different, good old humans. God has created us with a mind of our own, uh, the ability to choose uh, our own, make our own decisions, the ability to change direction if we choose to, the ability to disagree with each other, the ability to learn from others' mistakes and um, not follow in their mistakes, uh, the ability to learn from others' successes and improve on those. And uh, it's an amazing gift that God has created us. Uh, You could say that God has created each and every one of us with a little bit of rebel on the inside. I uh, think you all know what a rebel would do when they see a sign like the one that's on the screen in a second. Uh, (laughs) And I I think even if if you're a bit like me and you're happy to... um, happy to follow signs like this on the most part, there's probably still a a little something inside, a little rebel on the inside who uh, is very tempted by a sign like that. But I wonder who you think of when you hear the term rebel. Who who is it that you think of? I'll give you a, a few names that I thought of. I thought of Spartacus. Spartacus, I don't know if you know him, he's a a Roman soldier. Uh, There's a movie about it, multiple epic blockbuster movies on Spartacus. He led an entire rebellion um, army, a rebel army against the mighty forces of Rome. There's um, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was an amazing young woman who led a rebellion, was a rebel. Um, There's William Wallace. I know Steve's a fan of William Wallace. He was a bit of a rebel. I think there's a photo of him. This is a real photo, apparently, of the actual William Wallace. <laughs> um, who else do we have? We had, um, who's next on my list? Martin Luther King. He was a rebel. He really was in his time. Amazing. Um, John Lennon. John Lennon and the Beatles. They, they were rebellious. Their music was very rebellious. It might sound kind of strange now, but um, their music was actually banned in many countries at the time. And um, my mum will actually tell you that her, um, the kids in her family, when she was a child of the Beatles, um, they weren't allowed to listen to the Beatles. It was too rebellious. They weren't. It was a bit too naughty. Um, so, yeah, there you go, John, John Lennon. Um, who else? We've got Nelson Mandela, famous rebel. And, and maybe one that um, we talk about these days, maybe one that's um, going at the moment, I thought of maybe Julian Assange, a modern-day current rebel. I wonder who you think of when you hear the term rebel. Well, we're starting this series tonight called Rebel Jesus, and uh, I think that Jesus was quite possibly the greatest rebel of all time, hands down. And uh, over the next several weeks, we're actually going to be exploring how Jesus was a rebel and what he rebelled against and, and how um, that applies to us. And in fact, how we can join in in his rebellion. But all of these rebels, although they lived centuries apart, although they didn't really have much to do with each other, all of these rebels have three things in common. And that's because rebellion is made up 
of these three things. And this is what we're talking about this evening. You see, a rebel has a cause, a conflict, and a cost. Rebellion has a cause, a conflict, and a cost. All of these people, all rebels, have a cause. They, they rebel for a reason. It might be a sense of injustice. Maybe they, maybe they believe in a cause that's um, completely bigger than themselves. Maybe it's, they believe it's their purpose in life. Maybe, maybe they just uh, believe that something is just not right and they have to stand up against it and fight back, perhaps. And we've seen rebellion against all sorts of things throughout history, haven't we? We've seen rebellion against corrupt governments, against slavery, against inequality, unfair biases, religious suppression, racism, systematic abuse. The list goes on and on and on. And I'm sure you could think of a thousand other things. But all rebels have a cause. All rebels have a cause. Because on the flip side, if you're a rebel without a cause... If you're a rebel just for the sake of rebelling, you're not really a rebel. I'd call that a teenager. (laughs) Jesus, however, was a rebel. Jesus was a rebel. What was his cause? What was his cause? Well, he explained a lot throughout the Gospels of what his cause, what he came to do and why he had come. And uh, just one of those things is in John uh, chapter 10. He says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What was Jesus' cause? Why did he come? Jesus' cause was you and I. We are Jesus' cause. We are the reason why he came. And to give us abundant life, to give us life to the full in John 3.16, to give us eternal life, Jesus came to give us life, to reconnect the creator with the created, to provide a once and for all solution to the consequences of our sin so that you and I can have a relationship with him. That was Jesus' cause. In fact, uh, it wasn't just that, but Jesus was also here to demonstrate to us how God would want us to live, how God wants us to treat each other and uh, relate to one another. Jesus was a rebel, and I think you could say that Jesus was a rebel with the ultimate cause ultimate cause. All of our rebels have a cause, but they also have a conflict. Their cause is in opposition to what is currently understood as normal. And Mahela mentioned that earlier, that what they are fighting for was against what was socially or culturally accepted at the time, maybe even against the law at the time. Think about Martin Luther King for a moment. At the time Martin Luther King was making his famous speeches and leading his famous marches and peaceful protests, it was normal at the time for people of colour to be forced to use a separate bathroom 
the people with white skin. Isn't that incredible? It was just understood. That was just normal. It was normal for people of color not to be allowed to vote. Just among many, many other things, that was just understood as normal. And so when Martin Luther King described a time where his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, he really was describing a dream. It really was a dream at the time. Now, of course, we've got a lot more work to do in some of areas like that, but we've also come a long way since those times of Martin Luther King, haven't we? Thanks to rebels like him. All rebels have a conflict. On the flip side, if you're a rebel without a conflict, if you're a rebel and what you're fighting against isn't actually really the normal, accepted, socially, social opinion at the time, you're not really a rebel, I'm sorry to say. You're probably just a bit weird. <laughs> so, like, example, pineapple on pizza. Okay, I, I'm a fan of pineapple on pizza. My, I may be classified, I might call myself a rebel. My cause is that everyone would enjoy amazing pizza. But is that really a conflict? Let's see, let's see. Raise your hand if you also like to partake in the heavenly golden goodness that is the juicy pineapple on a pizza. Absolutely amazing, yeah. See, the problem with me calling myself a rebel for liking pineapple on pizza is because half the room also likes pineapple on pizza. (laughs) I'm not really rebelling against, I'm not in conflict very much. You, some of you may call me weird, but you can't really call me a rebel because there's no real conflict. Jesus was a rebel, though, and his conflicts were many. The way he treated the poor and the marginalized of his society, the fact that he spent time with sick people and um, women and um, uneducated people, and um, criminals, and even children. These things were not commonly accepted at the time. For a man, an adult man, to spend time with children was, was very strange. It was very countercultural. To value a child was very countercultural. This was rebellious, in fact. The way he spoke about wealth, the way he spoke about um, religious Traditions, the way he spoke um, about how we should treat one another was actually very rebellious. And in fact, a lot of what he did and said, just about any person of power in any position of power ended up hating him. He was such a rebel, actually, that groups of people who normally hated each other <laughs> united in their hatred of him. That's how much of a rebel Jesus was. That's how much of a conflict Jesus' words and actions had with the culture of the day. And you know what? He knew it. He knew. And he called his followers to do the same. In Matthew, in the message version, I really love how it says this. It says, 
Jesus said, stand up for me against world opinion and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? Don't think I've come to make life cozy. You see, conflict is rarely comfortable. Conflict is rarely comfortable. Jesus did not come to make us comfortable. That wasn't his cause. His cause was not to make us comfortable. His cause was to make us loved, to reconnect us with his father, our father. And that came with a conflict. It comes with a conflict. In fact, Jesus, you could call Jesus the rebel with the ultimate conflict. So rebels have a cause and a conflict, and they have a cost. There's a cost to rebellion. Do you know all those rebels we talked about just before were either put in prison or killed or had the very unfortunate experience of having been both put in prison and killed? By very definition, rebel, a rebel is not popular. <laughs> That's the definition of a rebel, right? I mean, that sounds really simple, but it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me when I was preparing this. By very definition, a rebel is not popular. There is a cost to rebellion. And although um, re- our rebellion may not cost us our life, it may not cost time in prison, thank goodness, although in many parts of the world it still does, it may cost us something else. We may have to be willing to pay the price. Maybe it might cost us friendships, it might cost us popularity, it might cost us opportunities, it might cost us some unfair treatment of some sort, some bullying, who knows, a number of things, but rebellion of any kind comes with a cost. On the flip side, a rebel without a cost. If you're a rebel and you're not willing to pay the price of your rebellion, you're not really a rebel. I would call that a spectator. (laughs) Do you know what a spectator is? Spectator is somebody who enjoys watching the game, who cheers on their team passionately and gets into it so much that somewhere along the way, they fool themselves into thinking that they're actually the ones playing the game. (laughs) I do love spectating sport, I will say. I am a fan of all kinds of sports and watching all kinds of sports. I do love my AFL and my amazing team, the Richmond Tigers. We have uh, been very successful of recent years. We've won three out of the last four premierships. We have some of the best players in the competition um, actually, there's a photo of me with a couple of them. There you go. With our three premiership medals there. Amazing. Uh, we have one of the greatest ever finals player in the history of the sport. And uh, we have a lot of young talent, which means a lot of commentators are saying perhaps our success might last a few years longer. Yet, I really enjoy the fact that I could sit on the couch and enjoy the sport I don't have to train five days a week. I don't have to travel six months a year away from my family. 
I don't have to put my body at risk of being injured. I don't have to stretch my body to the limits. I don't have to deal with the media or fame or anything like that. And yet I can just lap up the joy of a winning team. (laughs) And yet somehow, quite often, most of the time, I fool myself into thinking that somehow my contribution from the couch actually aids my team's success. <laughs> Do you notice what I was saying before? We have won the last three of the last four premierships. We have some of the best players in the league. Yeah. That sort of language often uh, is heard coming out of my mouth. I'm a good spectator. I'm a very good spectator, but I fool myself if I think that I'm actually playing the game. This is what Jesus said about people who wanted to join his rebellion. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever, wants to, uh, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. See, the word rebel is both in English, both a noun and a verb. It's something that we call people, but it's also something that we do. Rebellion requires action. You cannot be a rebel and a spectator. It doesn't work like that. Rebellion costs us something. I wonder sometimes how many Christians think that they are being a part of what Jesus is doing on this earth. And yet they've been spectators for so long, they've forgotten the difference between someone who's invested and paying the cost of being a servant of God and contributing to the extension of his kingdom and someone who's just enjoying the spectacle. Jesus, of course, paid the ultimate price for his rebellion, didn't he? He was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, he was excruciatingly nailed to a cross. The cost of his rebellion, the cost of his cause. The cost of reconnecting the creator with the created and allowing us to be in a relationship with him. Jesus was a rebel with the ultimate cost. Just before he was killed... He gave his followers something to remember him by and to remember his cause and to remember the cost, the price that he paid. And uh, we participate this regularly here at Door of Hope. It's called communion. And uh, Jesus said he he took a bit of biscuit of bread and he said, take this and, and remember my body, which was broken and bruised and beat up for you. And he took some wine and some juice and he said, take this and remember my blood that was shed for you on your behalf. And so we join with churches all around the world. We've been doing this for thousands of years. And we not only remember what Jesus did for us, but we participate in the act of salvation that he did, the cause that he had of you and I reconnecting with our Father. 
So we're going to do that right now. We're going to have a, just a moment or two of reflection. There's going to be some nice music. I encourage you to take those elements in front of you. If you didn't get any and you want some, maybe just pop up your hand and someone will get you one. Uh, if you're participating online, maybe you want to press pause and grab something and take these elements with us. And if you're a guest here this evening and, or watching online and you're not quite comfortable with this or it doesn't quite make sense yet, that's completely fine. You don't have to participate if you don't feel comfortable. But we're just going to spend a couple of moments now and I'll be back to wrap up in just a moment. Many of the things that Jesus did and taught um, would still be considered rebellious today. And uh, we're going to, over the next few weeks, dig a little deeper into some of these things and and discover how Jesus was a rebel and, and what we can learn from that and how we can join in with his rebellion. But for today, I want to ask you a question. Are you a lemming or a rebel? <laughs> you know, God has given us a mind of our own. He has given us the ability to choose for ourselves, to not necessarily go with the crowd, but to make up our mind. But so much of the time, it's just easier to blend in with the crowd, isn't it? Sometimes it's just a lot easier to be a lemming. Sometimes I don't know if I really want to pay the cost. Sometimes I want to avoid conflict. Sometimes, to be honest, I don't know if I can be bothered with another cause. Sometimes it's just easier to blend in with the crowd 
to not stand out and to not put up with all that stuff. And you know, you might be surprised to hear this, but sometimes that's actually okay. <laughs> it's actually okay sometimes just to go with the crowd, to blend in, to, to follow. Yeah, it's okay to dress stylish or <laughs> to have a cool haircut or to enjoy music that's current and everyone else likes. That's, that's okay. There are many things in life where it's totally okay to enjoy what everybody else enjoys and, and do what everyone else does. But you know what? The Bible teaches us that there are some things in life where God says one way is right and the world says the other way is right. And that's when we are called to be rebels. That's when Jesus called us to be rebels. And Paul wrote about this. And I feel like we've heard this verse quite a lot this year already. So maybe, maybe God's doing something. But in Romans chapter 12, he says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. What does that sound like? That sounds like a lemming to me. <laughs> Being conformed by the world around us. He said, think differently. We have to think differently. We have to think how God thinks. We have to think how Jesus thinks, not how the world around us thinks. Paul is encouraging us to be a rebel. A Jesus rebel. With the right cause the right conflict, the right price, the right cost. So when it comes to something like sex before marriage, are you a lemming or are you a rebel? When it comes to overindulging at a party and losing control of what you are doing, are you a lemming or are you a rebel? When it comes to perhaps making friends with someone who's a bit awkward, who's on the, maybe the fringes, are you a lemming? I'm just going to ignore them. Or you're a rebel. And take the time. When it comes to how we treat a person with a disability, are you a lemming or you're a rebel? When it comes to your relationship with your parents, young people especially, <laughs> are you a lemming? Are you just going to treat your parents the same way that all your friends at school? all treat your parents or are you going to be a rebel and treat your parents how God tells you to treat your parents lemming or rebel when it comes to sharing your faith with others the goodness of God his love for us even when it's not popular maybe it's not even allowed are you going to be a lemming or a rebel because here's the thing when it's the right cause the right conflict and the right cost, a single rebel can change the world. I wonder if that's you tonight. Come back next week. We're going to find out more about this rebel Jesus.